Hi, I'm Heather. And this is Jax. Welcome to Ask AI. Ask AI is a podcast dedicated to artificial intelligence. Finding out what artificial intelligence even means. We're going to learn as we go. Let's talk AI. So I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk today with Andre Krenkov, a grad student at Stanford who likes to do research with AI, robotics, write code, appreciate art, and ponder about life. Um, he's also the lead founder and contributor to something called Skynet Today, a blog that creates informed critiques about AI hype and news. It has some incredible contributors. Um, Andre, how are you doing today? Hi, doing good. It's a Friday. Looking forward to the weekend. <laughs> um, I, I think I feel like we all are. So I guess the first thing to do to kick it off, um, for, our, for our listeners today, could you define artificial intelligence? Oh, that's an easy one. Yeah, starting with We're starting with, the, yeah, absolutely. Always right. easy questions. Yeah, so <laughs> artificial intelligence as a research field is basically the quest to make machines capable of doing things that people can do, but machines cannot, roughly speaking. Nice. And um, now that that you've been pursuing your master's and you'll be pursuing a PhD as well um, within the field of AI and robotics. What about the field makes you really excited about it? Why are you dedicating so much of your time and mental energy towards this field? Right. Uh, I think it was a little bit, I was always, I found in high school basically that my natural fit was engineering, solving engineering problems, solving technical problems, you know, I had that sort of mind for it. And then it was just a matter of finding, you know, the right field or topic. And I suppose there's just something very intriguing or exciting with intelligence, right? About mm -hmm. being able to reason and, uh, you know, replicate the amazing gray goo that our brain has that somehow enables us to do all of these things that we do. And in some ways, it's the ultimate unsolved problem, right? So, um, yeah, I think there's a little kind of equal parts. It is what I'm good at, and it is what is sort of exciting for sentimental reasons. That's, such a, that's so wonderful to be both good at something that is also exciting. <laughs> yep. Well, one would hope. <laughs> at least I think I'm okay at it. I, I feel like all signs point to yes, considering uh, your research so far and everything you've gotten involved with. Um, yeah. So one thing that I, I would love to talk to you about today is uh, is the blog that you started, Skynet Today. Uh, what is it? Sure. So Skynet Today is kind of an online AI blog publication, what, whatever you call it, that covers AI coverage. So we try to put AI news into perspective. We try to, from a point of uh, informed kind of technical expertise, uh, explain when news stories about AI get things totally wrong, like get things totally uh, out of perspective, or when, for instance, there's a actually legitimate problems and there's just some subtle points that are missed 
that uh, people with more technical background can sort of explain better. Hmm. So have you felt like a lot of news about artificial intelligence may not be completely accurate in terms of what people see on the news today? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's why I started it. You know, it's not often that grad students find the time to do extensive side projects. But, um, I, uh, yeah, so the way it came about, actually, is I used to, I have my own blog, you know, so I write these little essays. And I was thinking about writing just a blog post to debunk some, like, a list of different things. Mm -hmm. But these things starting about maybe 2015, 2016, there was just a nonstop flood of articles that misportray kind of uh, have hyperboles about the dangers of AI, miss important details, imply things that aren't true. You know, there's just so much of it. So I realized at some point that probably having an entire site dedicated to it and having more than just moving there uh, is needed to really tackle that problem. Absolutely. That's really cool. Um, if there is like one thing uh, about uh, the field in general that you think people misunderstand, uh, what is like the one thing that you would love all of our listeners to understand about artificial intelligence that you feel like might not be something they already know? Or maybe they've sure. they don't yeah. even, I don't know. I think there's, there's a very deep kind of fundamental problem with how people think about AI because of science fiction and uh, mm -hmm. kind of people think of Google having an AI or having AIs, right? They're having artificial intelligences that are sort of, you know, have some intelligence or something. When in, actually in practice, what people need to understand, I feel, is that AI is just computer programs, right? It's fundamentally mm -hmm. nothing different from like Photoshop or the software that powers YouTube, you know, and it has some, you know, parameters, some value, some numbers that are tweaked by some clever algorithms. But at least today, we have nothing that actually does any sort of reasoning, any sort of abstract thought. It's all still at the level of computer programs, that aren't intelligent in any significant or meaningful sense. It's mm. true. I'm, I'm just laughing, thinking about uh, various conversations that I have when people will casually talk about the AIs, like it's a kind of yep. a, a subspecies that's, that's working or doing something. Um. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I try to, we try to always say AI program or AI algorithm, but serious periodical, serious publications like New York Times or Wired often say like NAI by Google, and it's very annoying. <laughs> yeah, kind of misrepresentative because they're pretty still narrow in what they're able or even saying they is kind of anthropomorphizing. But anyway, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the proper language would be like the algorithm, like an algorithm, or well, yeah. In, from the your computer perspective, program. what's the best way? I guess the best, like, what would you say is the best language that our listeners could use when they talk about a different aspect of a machine learning tool, for example? I think something like a program or a tool or a product, these are all terms that, so there's AI algorithms and mm -hmm. in practice what Google or Facebook does is they build a tool or a product or a program powered by AI algorithms and by non-AI algorithms, right? It's a mix, right? There's also just normal code in there, mm -hmm. which is what you have been doing for 40 years. 
So, yeah, I would say pretty much don't cast it as something new or something intelligent. It's nothing different from the sort of computer programs you've had for decades already. I feel like this is the perfect segue into uh, my next question, which is about broadly the history of AI. I know that some of your writing has been noticed by major leaders in the field um, and commented upon, so congratulations. Could you give us a little Thanks. bit of an overview? It's pretty cool. Um, could you give us a little bit of a background on the history of the field in general? Sure. Yeah, I would love to. I think this is something else that maybe isn't appreciated even by AI researchers, and there's lots we can learn from it. So going back, it started in the summer of 1956. There was actually this legendary conference where all of these super important people came together and the term artificial intelligence was actually coined in a particular paper you can still read. Um, And so it started then, and then there was a lot of excitement early on, right, because this is just at the beginning of sort of digital computers, Mm -hmm. and people were thinking, well, we can solve this intelligence problem now as we have computers. Uh, And even if you go back to the 50s or 60s, so that's when neural nets started being developed, actually, like the early, very early version of them. And you can read New York Times articles about, uh, like, we'll have walking robots and intelligent rockets and, like, all this crazy stuff that we still don't have. And they're already saying in the 50s and 60s that uh, the technology is going that route. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of excitement early on. And then in the 60s, kind of by the end of them, it was understood that um, actually it's pretty difficult. (laughs) We will not be able to solve the problem anytime soon. And there was this cyclical kind of history in AI of winters where every maybe decade or so after a bunch of excitement and hype and investment, it was realized that we were not as close as we thought we were or maybe what people were claiming. So, I think around the early 70s, maybe late 60s, where it was the first AI winter, where funding kind of froze, uh, work slowed, people kind of realized that all these claims were really hyperbolic, and we are nowhere as close to robots and uh, all the other stuff. Um, and then from there, again, just very briefly, uh, there was another flurry of excitement in the mid-80s, roughly. So there was some progress algorithmically, and computers became faster. So you could train neural nets to do slightly more, right? There was a little okay. algorithmic tweak and better computers and some data. And so you we were able to do more, and people got really excited again. Um, and some of the current leaders of the field, like uh, Yann Kuhn, Jeff Hinton, you know, were part of this uh, second uh the second wave. wave of hype. Okay. Yep. Uh, and they're still around and leading the field, which is very interesting. So that was a bunch of excitement. And then another AI winter <laughs> after that. And uh, so now it seems like we are in a third sort of wave of excitement about neural nets. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another kind of algorithmic tweak in the kind of the late early 2010s, I guess. Yeah. Something about then. And we have way more computing now with GPUs, and we have way more da- data. And so it seems like we're doing, you know, are able to solve problems we were never able to solve before. 
Exactly. And I guess a big question for me and many AI researchers is, are we just heading for another AI winter uh-huh. in another five years, or are we actually going to stick it out this time and it's not going to be hyperbolic and crazy? Exactly. I think it's really interesting to note that headlines from major publications like the New York Times saying that uh, these types of robots or machines were coming for our jobs and had all these uh, things that they were able to do. The fact that those headlines, we see them today, but we also saw them as early as the 60s. Um, yeah, yeah. Automation especially, like robots are coming for our jobs, has been said every decade since the concept was made out, basically. Interesting. History repeating itself. So on the notion of is this time different, um, you mentioned uh, increases in computing power. Um, there's been a lot of talk about all the data that we have now now have access to to train these systems. Um, you touched on it lately, but if you could speak a bit more to what you think it would take for us to not go into another winter period, what do you think we need to prove or needs to be proven within the field for funding not to dry up and for business to stay mm. involved? Yeah, I think, I mean, the problem has always been overshooting um, because it's not like we never, nothing was achieved in the 80s, for instance. Mm-hmm. There was useful technology for controlling rockets or for reading zip codes or recognizing digits uh, that got commercialized. It's just that there was way too much excitement. Now, of course, um, Google, Facebook, uh, Microsoft are investing billions of dollars. NVIDIA is, you know, skyrocketing in terms of valuation. So we are seeing huge commercialization mm-hmm. of products based on AI algorithms. And um, a lot of it is, you know, very reasonable because uh, – Due to increased computation, data, and some algorithm stuff, we are able to do things like speech recognition, uh, like self-driving cars, um, that are actually useful in solving real problems and you know, will make money for people. Uh, so I guess the way to avoid another winter is to sort of find the right level of investment and mm-hmm. not kind of start... Um, investing in every startup that has AI in its name or pitch, right? Because But what if it has the, the domain day, name dot AI? <laughs> that doesn't well count. then you must invest. It must be uh, real. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Cool. It's just like in the nineties <laughs> when you had a dot com. I mean that's how you know it's legit. Oh exactly. So. The dot com went <laughs> yep. perfectly well. <laughs> yep. What are you really excited about? Um with what's it, happening right now? Hmm, let's see. Uh, personally, actually, I think maybe not exactly AI, a little bit AI. So working in robotics, I think they slowly, I'm seeing the strand of more robotics out there in the world. And I think it's very likely to me that by the end of the 20s, like 2020s, we will see robots kind of out there in society, like self-driving cars, like delivery robots, like drones delivering our Amazon packages, which uh, we never have gone there. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, robotics is used in factories, but not out there in the world alongside people. So to me, that's quite exciting. And I think we'll get rid of a lot of, um, let's say, 
make things a lot more efficient and solve a lot of problems. Yeah. Could you explain where robotics fits within the context of artificial intelligence? Not all robots are AI and not all AI is robots, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. So basically, it's kind of weird because it's an overloaded term, yes. So robotics is a subfield of research with AI, so it's like a set of research problems. So an AI it, uh, very soon evolved into these subfields of various computer vision where you solve problems related to images and visual data. Mm-hmm. There's natural language processing where you solve problems related to language. And then there's robotics where you solve problems related to robotics. Um, and then, of course, there are already um, robots out there in factories. But the thing about them is um, they're kind of basically dumb, rote machines that just <laughs> do the same thing over and over without any sort of even sensing, right? They don't have sensors. They don't respond to the environment. They just do the same movements over and over and over again. Okay. And we haven't been able to really go beyond that kind of stupid rote repetition, at least so far, for useful applications out there beyond the research lab. Thank you. That was helpful. I would love it if we could talk about the Boston Dynamics project with Big Dog. So... There's some really interesting videos out there on the internet of this uh, robot that kind of almost looks like a big Great Dane or a mule um, being able to carry things, walk over crazy terrain. Can you tell us uh, your thoughts, I guess, on this project and where you think it could go? Sure. Yeah. So that's a really fun um, project. Actually, they just announced, I believe, uh, a few weeks ago that they will start selling miniature big dogs uh, to who? in 2019. So they're starting to commercialize it. Huh. Uh, it's an interesting project to talk about because even within, within the AI research community and much more so outside of it, there's a bit of a misperception, I think, or lack of perspective on it. And in terms of actually, uh, there's no learning or neural nets or anything of this like new type of AI in big dog. So they, they don't learn from data. They don't kind of do trials and experiments. Actually the way it's run is the founders worked. um, I believe I did research in uh, kind of locomotion and robotics uh, and sort of solving these equations, kind of figuring out how to set up a system of equations such that you're able to respond to perturbations and keep consistency and kind of model kind of how animals do it. Wow. Uh, And I found a really elegant way to do it that seemed to work really well. And so even in robotics, even in AI, people often think that this big dog is very sophisticated and must use all these neural nets and learn from experience. But actually it was these researchers finding a very elegant kind of mathematical formulation that is mostly hard-coded, and they just programmed it to work very well. So I guess to put things into perspective, um, it is very cool, very useful robotics, but at the same time, it's useful to know that it took many years and a lot of you know math and a lot of physics 
to actually for people to figure out how to make robots move like that. So we're not able to have algorithms do that by themselves uh, or you know, do that with lots of data or whatever quite yet. Interesting. That makes me think of, um, was it DeepMind that had a model that seemed like it trained itself to walk? Do you know what video I'm talking about? Yeah, so DeepMind does this a lot. Um, but the thing is, you usually see these like simulated videos, right? Like exactly. uh, video game. Exactly. So you can do this in video games, but what happens usually is they come up with all these like really funny strategies, like they have their arms over their hand and they're sort of <laughs> sprinting in a weird ways. Yeah. And so it turns moves. out that our simulators are very imperfect and anything you learn in simulation is a little bit useless in the real world. And we haven't quite figured out how to move from simulation to real world Okay. Uh, yet, at least. It's an open research problem. Okay. Interesting. Cool. That's all the questions that we have prepared. Is there anything else you want to chat about? Um. Let's see. Uh, actually, I don't know. Can you tell me more about uh, your project, your initiative, and how you perceive uh, kind of people uh, as a non-AI expert, let's say, as someone not doing research, um, what does kind of today add to this landscape? Absolutely. Um, so with the Ask AI podcast, a big part of the mission is just to increase access to good information, honestly, very similar to Skynet today, um, as a blog, uh, I guess this is just another way of consuming content. Um, there is a lot of misinformation and a lot of oversimplified, um, details. And I think there's a, a large part of the population that doesn't feel like they're involved in the conversation. So a portion of the podcast is to speak with people who are entrenched in the field in different domains. So we've had conversations with researchers like yourself. We've had conversations with people who are involved in um, the business aspect of applying artificial intelligence, mostly machine learning, um, to individuals involved with the pan-Canadian AI strategy. There's kind of a Canada tilt to the podcast. Um, you're actually our first guest who's based in a, on the West Coast at Stanford, so welcome. Um, <laughs> and uh, we are just um, basically interested people um, hoping to provide more information to individuals who may not spend as much time in conversations about artificial intelligence as you do um, and as I would uh, in my day job. I see. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I guess the, the note or the thought I want to end on, and this sets me up very well, is I also feel like part of the reason we are running Scan Today, which by the way is a big team effort now, there's a bunch of people in academia and in industry I think the reason, part of the reason for it is there is, I think, a sense of responsibility to some extent for AI researchers, academics, experts, to not just sort of do their day job, not just publish papers, but go a little bit beyond the lab and provide this perspective and make it clear that this is in science fiction, you know, in reality, this stuff is very limited and we have pretty much understand what it's doing and control it. And there's not going to be Skynet or any of this like uh, doomsday scenario anytime soon. So uh, yeah, I'm glad there's efforts that are sort of trying to draw out researchers 
and it's not just up to researchers to go and uh, set up blogs by themselves anymore because <laughs> uh, it's pretty new. Yeah. So if people want to follow Skynet today, what's the best way to uh, find the blog? Just Google it? Yes, you can Google it. You can go to skynettoday.com. Uh, and then from there, you can subscribe to our mailing list, uh, follow us on Twitter, all, all the normal things. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time and thanks for joining us here today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Great. Yes. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. This episode's associate producer was Francesca Awotundun. Senior producer was Mike Letourneau. And executive producer was Chris McClellan. Interview recorded by Robin Edgar. Ask AI includes this podcast, a helpful chatbot, and live events. For more information, please visit our website at askai.org. Do you have questions about artificial intelligence and workplace automation? We'd love to help answer them. Send your queries to podcast at askai.org or tweet to AskAIOrg.